And I'm really glad that you're here today. And if you would, go ahead and open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. If you have a, your Bible on a device, find it, Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going to do something today that I don't normally do. Normally we look at one or two passages of Scripture. Today I'm probably going to look at three different passages of Scripture. We're going to read more Scripture than we normally do on Sunday morning, but I'd really like for you to follow along so you understand where this is coming from, what we're talking about. We're in a series talking about something new, something new. And the text that we use to start this series is found in Isaiah 43. And the Lord says, don't remember the former things and don't consider the things of old. Behold, I'm going to do something new. I'm going to do a new thing. And one of the things I found about life with God is that God is always wanting to do new things in our lives. And yet it is human nature to hold on to old things. And we want to just keep repeating, repeating, repeating. And as a rule, most of us don't like change because we get into the habit of, well, this is how life is. And I think sometimes in, in Christian life, we come to a place where we begin to look at the future in the rearview mirror. And we're saying, well, this is what God has done. This is where he's brought me to, and this is where I am. So this is my life right here. And all we do is look at the past, and we forget that God continually wants to do new things in our lives. As a matter of fact, Lamentations, I think it's the third chapter, I believe it is, where it, it, there's a, a verse of Scripture, maybe verse 23, where it says very famous words that are in one of our hymns of the church where it talks about the faithfulness of God. It says, God's mercies are new when? Every morning. Every single morning, His mercies are new. And you know, we get out of bed in the morning, we think, well, it's a brand new day, and God is saying, yeah, and I've got brand new things for you, and I want you to walk into those things. And what we've been talking about in this series is the fact that God continually wants to be working for us? How many in the house would say, I'd like for God to do some things for me? Can, can I get a few hands or a few head nods? Yeah, I like that idea. God doing some things for me. But God also wants to do things in me. And God also wants to do new things through me. And he needs me to keep my heart open to him so I'm not just focused on what he can do for me, but I'm also focusing on what he wants to do in me and through me. And there, there, there comes about a balance in our lives where we begin to become mature in balancing these things and continually be excited about the new things that God wants to do in our lives. And as a matter of fact, God addressed that in Isaiah 43. He said, don't get stuck in the past. I want to do new things. And he said, you may be in a wilderness, you may be in a desert, but it's just a place you go through get, to get to the place where you're going to because I'm going to do brand new things right where you are. So we need to open our hearts to the new things that God wants to do. This morning I want to begin in Ephesians chapter 3, and I want to ask to start with one simple question. What are you expecting from God? What are you expecting from God? What are you believing God to do for you and in you and through you? What are you believing for today? What is your expectations for God. There's a very familiar passage of Scripture in Ephesians 3, and I want us to look at it right now. Verse number 20. I'm going to have the verses on the screen today. It says this in verse number 20. Now to him who is able to do what? Exceedingly abundantly above, beyond all that we can ask or think, according to the power that works in us, 
Verse 21 says, To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. What is God able to do? What can God do? How many believe that nothing is impossible with God? That's what Scripture says. Do you believe God can do anything? You know, I heard a story years ago about a, a young college student who left home, left home church atmosphere, had been raised in church, went off to college, and one of the first things that happened, he got into a philosophy class, and the professor challenged him on his faith and said, do you really believe God can do anything? And the student said, well, yes, he can. And the professor asked him, well, can God make a mountain so big that he can't move it? And the student got so flustered with the whole concept as he thought it through, he didn't know what to say. And he went home uh, during Thanksgiving break. And while he was home for the holidays, he went to his pastor and he was almost in tears and said, I'm ready to quit school. And the pastor said, why? He said, because my philosophy professor asked me a question I couldn't answer. And he said, what was the question? He said, the question was, can God build a mountain so big that he himself can't move it? And the pastor looked at him and said, you go back and tell the professor, yes, he can, but he's not that stupid. And, you know, I think sometimes we say, well, God, God can do the impossible. Nothing's impossible with God. God can do anything. This passage of Scripture says that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or even think. And the thought is this morning, when I ask you, what are you expecting from God? Some of us are thinking things and hoping things and believing things way down inside that we're afraid to ask for. And I believe we need to open our hearts and ask God for the things that we need, the things he needs to do for us and in us and through us and believe God for bigger things and better things. We don't ever need to shrivel up and die up because what it says is he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or even think. How? By the power that's working in us. What is that power? It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And today I want to talk to you for the next several minutes about the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives, being aware of how he works. And you know, as we talk about this this morning, anytime you talk about the Holy Spirit, there's always somebody who says, oh, when you start talking about the Holy Spirit, I kind of back away because I'm not into all that stuff. Can I just tell you today, and we talk about the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The word Trinity is nowhere in Scripture, but the concept of Father, Son, and Spirit is. We believe that God is one God. And, you know, all my life, being raised in church, I've heard people trying to define and describe the Trinity as, well, how is there a Father, a Son, and the Holy Spirit? How are they one, and how is, the, how is God one? All these questions. I've heard people say, well, it's like an egg. You've got the shell of an egg, and then you've got the white of the egg, and you've got the yolk of the egg, but it's all one egg. I've heard people use all kinds of illustrations. But I think the most simple illustration is you're a three-part being. You're a spirit. You're a soul. And your body, and you're one. You're one. And I think what God wants us to do today is to realize something. Everything God is going to do in your life, he's going to do it by the Holy Spirit. Everything God's going to do in your life, it's going to be done by his Spirit. It's the part of God that reaches down and changes us from the inside out. Now, go to John chapter 3. I told you we're going to look at probably three passages of Scripture today. Go to John chapter 3. What I want to do in this message today is I want to lay a foundation for some new places we're going to be going in the, in the weeks to come. Some things that I haven't taught in a while, some things that maybe you haven't heard before. 
talking about the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But I've got to lay a foundation. And I want to give you some things today that I think will, will tweak your, your understanding and make you stop and, and look at God and search the Scriptures to see what God says about the Holy Spirit. Let's look at John chapter 3. Let me set it up. There's a, a man named Nicodemus. He's a leader in the Jewish religion in that day. He's one of their teachers. And he sees the ministry of Jesus. He recognizes that God's hand is upon him. But because there's so much controversy and because he doesn't understand what Jesus is about, he comes to Jesus under the cover of darkness. He comes at night because he doesn't want anybody to know he's there. But he wants to talk to Jesus about who he is and what he is. And Jesus immediately takes control of the conversation. We're going to jump into it at verse number five. Verse number five. Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Verse 7, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Now, pause here for a moment. I'll get into this more in a minute, but Jesus says, look, I, I know what's going on in your head. I know what's going on in your heart, but don't, don't marvel at this. Don't, don't be confused. Don't get stuck on this. But I'm telling you, you must be born again. You must be born by the Spirit of God. It goes on verse 8, and here's what Jesus says in verse 8. Notice these words. The wind blows where it wishes. Jesus is giving him an illustration. The wind blows wherever it wants to go. It blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now, I want to stop here. We're going to come back to this passage in a couple of minutes, but I want to share some things with you. How many of you have ever heard the Scripture that says, God works in mysterious ways His wonders to perform? How many of you have ever heard that Scripture? Well, just so you know, it's not in the Bible. It's not really a scripture. Oh, that's not fair asking trick questions. I'm not doing that to embarrass you, but I want to make a point about this. I've heard people say that all my life. And the truth of the matter is, God does work in ways that we don't understand. And at the end of what God is doing, when he finishes it, we say, wow, I never realized all that God was doing. We've all experienced those things. Jesus is making a point to Nicodemus, and it's recorded for us to learn from. And Jesus says the natural birth, and we know what a natural physical birth is, the natural birth is different than a spiritual birth. The natural birth produces a natural life. A spiritual birth produces spiritual life. And he goes on to say the only entrance into God's kingdom is through spiritual birth. What he's saying is it's not a thing where you grab it with your senses or you get it between your ears. It's something that happens within you in the depths of your being way down in your spirit. It's a spirit birth, a spirit life. It's not lived by the senses. It's lived by the spirit. And then Jesus' illustration is the wind. And I love what Jesus said. He said, the wind blows and you have no idea what's coming from but it hits you and you feel its presence. And then you don't know where it's going next. The truth of the matter is, 
unless it's blowing hard enough that it catches leaves and trash and dirt up in it, that you can watch the trail of where it blows, unless that happens, you don't understand the wind. It's mysterious. It comes out of nowhere. The last two weeks, we've had a lot of wind here in Southern California. A lot. How many have experienced a little bit of wind at your house? I mean, I've had big trees just blowing all over the place. Trees on our streets snap down because of the force of the wind. And in the middle of it, I'm thinking, where in the world is this wind coming from? I don't know where it starts, and I don't know where it ends. It's a mystery to me. Jesus said, so are the ways of the Spirit of God. Now, here's the thing. We have to understand that the Holy Spirit is working for us and in us and through us. But in this process of learning the ways of the Spirit of God, we also have to learn that at times what God's Spirit is doing is a mystery to us. I love this. You know, I know some people, they are so theological that they think they got everything figured out, and if they don't understand it and if they haven't got it figured out, that means it's not God. That's not Scripture. In the Old Testament, God said... My ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. Your ways are down there, your thoughts are down there, mine are way up here. There's a difference between the way we think and the way we operate. This is what Jesus is talking about. They're the ways of the flesh, they're the ways of the natural man, the thinking, the things that affect our senses, that's the natural man. But Jesus said, when the Spirit of God begins to work, there are times when you don't understand all that He's doing. And can I tell you that those are the times when you need to learn to walk by faith and trust God and let him work and just watch what he does. Now, not only that, but as we begin to walk with God and we begin to experience the unseen, the unexpected ways of the Holy Spirit, those mysterious things, after a while, we begin to learn his ways. We begin to learn how to recognize his voice, recognize his wooing, and then we learn how to respond to that. It comes with experience. It comes as we walk with God. But let's take, for example, the new birth. Jesus said, if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to be born again. A lot of people get hung up on that. He's talking about believing in God with all of your heart so that the Spirit of God can come in and do what Scripture calls the work of regeneration, making us alive. Can anybody here explain to me how God could put his son in the womb of a woman, have him be born in this earth, live a sinless life, die upon a cross, be raised from the dead, go back to the Father, and then Jesus take his blood and wash away all of our sins? I don't really comprehend all of that, but it's God's Word. And I learned to trust it. Why? Because, the, listen closely, the first thing the Holy Spirit does in our lives is he comes and he convinces us that it's true. The first work of the Holy Spirit is to convict us, to convince us. We are lost in sin. We need a Savior. And suddenly when we hear the message, our hearts get wrapped around it because deep down inside, a spiritual birth takes place. And nobody can talk you out of it because you know this is real. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And it's not done for the sake of your ears, your nose, your eyes, your mouth, your fingers. It's not something flesh and blood touches. It's a work of the Spirit of God. And then we enter into this life, this walk with God, where God continues to be working by His Spirit. And at times, it's a little bit mysterious to us. We don't always understand it. Now, let's go on down to verse number 9. Look at verse 9. show you what happens next in this conversation. Nicodemus answers Jesus and says, how can these things be? 
He said, I don't get it. Everybody look right here. I don't understand. I, I can't compute this. I can't get it between my ears to settle. Verse 10, Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? What he just said to Nicodemus was, I know your natural man doesn't get this, but you need to understand, I just gave you an illustration of the wind. If you can't accept that natural illustration and understand that the Spirit sometimes is going to be working in ways you don't understand, then you're always going to struggle because God's power and His work is sometimes beyond my comprehension and my understanding. I don't always see what God is doing behind the scenes. So I have to learn to trust what He's doing. And I'm going to say this this morning. Some people get so hung up on theology Theology, you won't find the word, the English word theology anywhere in Scripture. You'll find the word doctrine, but not theology. Because theology literally means it's the study of God. The study of God. There are theologians who don't know God, and they'll tell you they don't know God. There are theologians who have all these philosophies about God, and much of theology that you hear in the world today, it's, it's nothing more than philosophy about Scripture. Because people are trying to put God between their ears and friend, I'm going to tell you something. You cannot hold God between your ears. He's bigger than that. And the sooner we learn to follow the Word of God and the working of the Holy Spirit, the sooner we'll be able to grow into new things and learn how to walk in new things in every area of our life. Whatever God's going to do for you, in you, and through you, it's going to happen by the working of the Holy Spirit. You know, in Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul talked about this. And here's what Paul said. Paul said, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity, it's strife, it's war against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Can I tell you today that God cares about where you are, about what's going on in your life. And he wants to be involved working for you and in you and through you. But we need to come to a place of surrender where we say, God, here I am. Come and let your spirit work in me. And I want to learn the ways of the working of your spirit. We need to open our hearts and our lives to him. Now, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This is the third passage of Scripture I want to look at. I want to spend the next few minutes here, and actually I'm going to look at the whole chapter. I'm going to move through it quickly. I'm going to ask you to read along with me. But I want to share some things with you. We've established thus far that God is going to work in our lives by the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit will be working for us and in us and through us. Sometimes it'll be a little mysterious to us. Sometimes we might not even understand. We might be a little confused about what's going on, what God might be doing. But God is at work by His Spirit. Now, I love 1 Corinthians chapter 2. If I was sitting down in a Bible study with a mature group of believers, one of the first places I would want to teach would be 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And yet on Sunday mornings, I rarely get into it because a lot of people aren't at a place where they're ready to hear what it has to say. 
we've laid a foundation for it today, and I want to show you some things that Paul said about what you can expect the Holy Spirit to do in your life. Let's start at verse number one. Paul writing to the church at Corinth, he had been with them, he'd helped establish the church. Now he's writing back to them at a later date. He says this in verse one. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellency of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. What Paul says, I didn't come trying to impress you with how much I knew and how smart I was and give you a bunch of man's wisdom. I didn't do that. Verse 2, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and much trembling. And notice verse 4, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, Paul, when he was with the Corinthians, ministered to them. Yes, he preached to them. He taught them. Of course he did. But he ministered in the power of the Holy Spirit because he wanted these people to see the powerful working of the Holy Spirit among them in their own lives and in lives around them. Evidently, when Paul ministered there, there were some supernatural things that happened. And here's what Paul said later on when he wrote back to them. He said, when I was there, I didn't come with a lot of theology and a lot of man's ideas. I simply came with the Spirit of God and ministered to you right where you were. Why? Because Paul was establishing a church. He was starting a church. And when he left that church, he had to leave something with them that was at work, that they would know God has changed my life. God is still with me. God is still working in my life. And I'm not going to give up on what God has started because God will finish the work that he's begun in me. Paul said, when I was with you, I wasn't there trying to impress you with theology. I was simply there to minister to you right where you were. Because when I left town, I wanted your faith to rest in the power of God and not the philosophies of men. Can I tell you, if you're going to make it in this life, if you're going to walk with God, if you're going to know God, at some point in time, you have to begin to walk in the power of God and forget about all the different ideas of men. Let me illustrate this to you. Sometime back, I sat down at a table with some men, some guys to, to visit with them. And in, in the middle of conversation, they were talking about all kinds of things. I mean, they were talking about things in Scripture that are so controversial. Things that you talk about it, and there's at least four or five different opinions on these things. And I listened to these guys talking about this, and they were going back and forth and debating a little bit. And the whole time I'm sitting there thinking, well, what difference is this going to make in somebody's future? What difference is this going to make in somebody's life? Why don't we get back to the place where we talk about the things that begin to change us, when God begins to work for us and in us and through us, where we can see the power of God and the hand of God at work in our lives? Why is it that we get so separated and so divided about the opinions of men and we talk about a scripture and there's nine different thoughts? Friends, we need to get back to walking with God and letting the Holy Spirit work in our lives. Theology divides people. And I know I'm not talking about doctrine. There is sound doctrine in Scripture. I realize that. 
But it's amazing how many people are trying to live their, their life with God between their ears. And it was never meant to be a theological book between your ears. God brought you to himself so you could be your father and you could be his child. And you could live life in relationship with him. And he could be right in the middle of everything going on in your life. God wants to bring you to that place. Paul said, when I came to you, I brought to you the power of the Spirit that gave you a new birth and a new start and positioned you so that God could begin to work in your lives every single day. The truth of the matter is our faith needs to be in knowing this is what God has done for me and this is what God's going to continue to do in my life. We need to have the reality of the Spirit of God at work within us. Now go down to verse number 6. We're going to keep reading. However... However, everybody say however. However However is a conjunction. All the school teachers in the house, isn't that right? It's a conjunction. It it ties thoughts together. He said one thing. He says, however, I'm going to tie something to it that is a little different direction. Notice what he says. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. How many of you can just be real honest, and I I want you to... I want to show of hands on this, okay? How many of you can be honest and say, you know, since I started serving God, God has changed my mind about a lot of things? Okay. That's what Paul's saying right here. He's saying, as we walk with God, we experience the working of the Spirit in our lives. And then the Holy Spirit begins to help us understand, not just from our experience, but it's backed up from the Word of God, and then we begin to understand things that before were a mystery to us. Paul is saying, we don't want to live with just theology stuff between our ears. We need to learn to live and walk in the reality of the Holy Spirit at work for us and in us and through us. You know what? We, we talk about this all the time. Christianity is about relationship, not religion. If it's about relationship, then ought to be alive every single day of our lives. God should be alive, working for us, in us, through us, every single day of our lives. But we get stuck, and we get ideas on our own head, and we refuse to grow. And what Paul is saying here is, look, I can tell you all kinds of things that you would think are crazy, because in the eyes of man and the ears of man, they are crazy. But they're things of the Spirit. But Paul said, as you grow, as you experience the things of God, as you learn the Word of God, as you become mature in Christ, these things you begin to understand. Let me tell you something. If you've only been walking with God a little while, don't get discouraged. Don't get around people who are more mature and say, man, I'm never going to get there. You are right where God wants you to be, and you need to get excited because God is about to teach you things by the Word and by the Holy Spirit that are going to grow you into places. You're going to experience things you've never experienced before. So don't ever compare yourself to anybody else. Just keep walking with God and let the Spirit of God work in your life. Let Him work. He's got you right there where you are. Spiritual understanding comes with maturity, which comes from experience. 
And sometimes there are things we don't understand. Sometimes we can read Scripture and it doesn't make sense to us. Sometimes we can hear, hear what somebody else has gone through and it doesn't make sense to us. But Paul said don't criticize those things. Keep walking with God and in time you begin to learn that the Holy Spirit teaches you new things in new different ways. And, and by the way, in case somebody missed it, let me tell you this. The Holy Spirit will never say anything contrary to the Word of God. If you think you heard something by the Holy Spirit and it disagrees with principles in Scripture, you didn't hear from the Holy Spirit. He never disagrees with the Word of God. Never. But He will confirm the Word of God to us. Now, skip down to verse 9. This is really where I want to be in this whole message. I've spent my whole introduction to get to this one verse. Because this verse is so misunderstood in a lot of the Christian church. And I'll show you. Verse 9 says, but as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Period. Now stop right there. Look at that. Okay, it's written, I hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Now, a lot of people say, well, what that tells us is it's very clear that there's just a lot of things we're never going to know about God. God doesn't want you to know a lot of stuff. Can I tell you, there's a lot of things about God you never are going to know and understand in this life. But have you ever stopped to read where that verse comes from? It comes from Isaiah 64. And if you go back and read it, what God says in context he says, I am God, and since the beginning of time, there's been none other but me. And even though people couldn't understand what I was doing and how I was doing it, still, it's been my spirit at work. That's what he says. Now, here's what's interesting. People say, well, what that tells us right there is don't, let, don't, don't listen to the Holy Spirit. Don't let anybody lead you astray. Don't let the Holy Spirit be your teacher because we're never going to know those hidden things of God. Look at the next verse, verse 10. It says, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the Holy Spirit searches all things. Can I put it this way? The Holy Spirit has access to everything. All knowledge, all understanding. Even, yes, even the deep things of God. Now, keep that verse up there a minute. How many of you believe that the spirit of God has access to all things? Well, you should because it just said that. But it says God reveals things to us by His Spirit. See, this is why when you're sitting reading Scripture and all of a sudden you come across a promise and you read a promise and it just leaps off the page and it leaps inside of you and you get excited about God's Word. Do you know what that is? That's the Holy Spirit teaching you, telling you, I'm going to do this in your life. So you need to start expecting it. Well, I've expected this much. You need to expect exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or even think because God's plans for us are bigger than we ever know and we need to keep walking into more and more and more and more and more of God. We don't ever want to stop. God reveals things to us by the Holy Spirit. Now, let me pause for a moment here. This is extra credit, okay? It's not in the notes. Romans chapter 8. If you go back and read, I love Romans 8. In Romans 8, one of the things Paul said in there is that the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit. Not with our brains, not with our flesh, 
We're three-part beings. The Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit. He makes our spirit come alive. And then we begin to identify with him based on the things of the spirit, his spirit communicating, touching our spirits. What does that tell me? I need to be not only attentive with my ears to good scriptural sound doctrine, I also need to keep my heart and my spirit open to new things that God's going to show me about his word, the things he wants to lead me into, the promises he's made, and how he wants to change me from the inside out. There have been times in my own devotional time, I'd be reading across a passage of scripture, and all of a sudden I'd read a verse that I've read a hundred times, and when I ran across it, man, the Holy Spirit just tapped my heart and say, see, I need to work right there because I need to make some adjustments inside of you not a negative thing it's a positive thing it's the Holy Spirit changing us from the inside out there's been times when I'd be reading through scripture and, all, and let me give you a good example the other day I was out working on my house anybody here ever work on your house I was painting garage doors glory to God I hate to paint I was painting garage doors and I'm painting and, I, and I'm thinking about this message and I'm thinking about some study and I've been and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said you know there's a guy in the church and I just saw his face I know his name he said, you need to tell him the next time you see him that I'm about to do something new. He's been in a hard season, but it's about to turn around. I'm about to do something new for him. And I got so excited. You know why? Because that's the Holy Spirit working through us. And we need to learn to be sensitive because God's going to use all of us in different ways if we'll be sensitive to what he wants to do. Now, look at verse 13. Verse 13, I'm almost finished with the reading here, so follow with me. These things we also speak, not in words, which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Do, do, you, do you see that? Look at it real close. These things, things of the Spirit, we speak. We teach things of the Spirit, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. See, Jesus said to Nicodemus, look, let me, let me explain this to you. It's kind of like the wind. And Nicodemus is like, I don't get it. And Jesus said, man, if you don't get that illustration, if I talk about heavenly things that are way up there, how are you ever going to understand that? We have to stop following God only here, and we have to give him our hearts and turn ourselves over to him and let the Holy Spirit begin to work in our lives. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit will never say or do anything contrary to the word of God because he is God. But here's what it says, verse 14. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. Is there anybody in the house before you came to the Christ and before you started following him, did you ever look at God and Christians in the Bible and stuff? Did you ever say, oh, that's a bunch of foolishness? Did you ever do that? That's what he's talking about right here. But when we begin to walk with God and the Spirit of God begins to teach you things, we begin to understand that there are things that are the wisdom of God that the natural man can never comprehend and embrace because they are spiritually discerned. Verse 15, but he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. Verse 16, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? It's a question. Is there anybody in the house who's smart enough that they need to set God straight on some things this morning? Anybody here ready to tell God, God, you have no idea what you're doing. You are totally messing it up. I've had some moments in my life when I felt that way because I didn't understand that the Spirit of God was working in ways I didn't understand. This week, Ann and I have been 
some things in our personal life we've been working on, some personal situations and circumstances, and we kind of had a plan all figured out. You know, this was going to happen, and then this was going to happen, and then this was going to happen. And this week, the next step of what we thought was going to happen totally got taken away from us. And we realize it's not about what's here. It's about what the Spirit of God is preparing for us. We don't always understand it, but when we stop and get still, God by the Spirit will confirm within us, it's okay, I've got this. Keep walking with me. Keep trusting me. And the last thing it says in verse 16, I'm going to paraphrase it just a little bit. Put that last verse up there one more time because I want you to see this. Who's known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Let me put it this way. You and I have access to the mind of Christ by the Holy Spirit that we can pray. I'm going to tell you something. I spend a lot of time in my private time praying in the Spirit because there's a lot of things I don't understand. And when I'm praying in the Spirit, I know I'm praying the perfect will of God. But there are things that the Holy Spirit will teach us and show us if we'll get still and we'll spend time with Him. And He'll open up a whole new understanding of all the things He's doing in our lives if we'll learn to spend time with Him and let Him work in our lives because we through the Holy Spirit have access to the mind of Christ now I want to come back to something I'm going to close with this I want to finish right where I started what are you expecting from God what are you expecting God to do for you can I encourage you today if you're not expecting God to do anything for you get alone with God and start praying and say God show me some things that you want to help in my life show me some areas of my life you want to improve and just see if the Holy Spirit doesn't start dropping some things inside of you if you don't think God wants to work in you get alone and say God show me what you want to do in me show me what needs to be ingested in me show me where my life needs to change and how I do life how I, how I flow through life the issues of life show me how these things need to change and he'll show you Better yet, get alone with God and say, God, show me who I can minister to. Show me who I can help. Who's that person that's been burning in your heart that you feel so sorry for? Who's that person that you look at and you say, I really want to help them. They really need God's help. You know what? Pray and see if God will show you how to minister to them. Because God wants to work for us and in us and through us. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or even think. Ask God, expand my thinking. Help me see bigger, help me think bigger. Show me even from your word, make it clear to me the things you wanna do. Confirm these things in my heart so I can pursue those things. I wanna pray for you today. We're, we're we got some things we're gonna do the next few minutes that are planned, but I want you to bow your heads for just a moment. Everybody in the house. I want you to begin to think about the things that you want God to do for you, the things he needs to do in you, and the things he wants to do through you. I want you to just think about those things for a moment. Ask God to expand your thinking. And while you're doing that, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, nobody's moving, nobody's looking around, this moment of reverence, maybe you're here today, maybe you're not in relationship with God. Maybe you've never committed your life to him. Maybe you've never asked Jesus to become the Lord of your life. Maybe you've never asked him to be the sacrifice for your sins and cleanse you of your sins and your past. Maybe you've never asked God to come into your life. But right now, something inside of you is pulling at your heart and you're realizing this is real, this is real. You know what that is? That's the Spirit of God 
reaching out to your spirit, knocking on the door of your heart saying, I want you. I want to be your God. I want you to be in communion, in fellowship, in relationship with me. It's up to you to open that door. And I'm going to ask you right now to open that door with a simple prayer. Everybody in the house, we open that door to God with the prayer. I'm going to ask everybody here to pray this prayer with me. So say this right out loud. Say, God, I need you. And I want you in my life. I need your help. So I open my heart to you. Please forgive me for all my sins. I believe Jesus is the Son of God who died for my sins and was raised from the dead. And I put my faith in Jesus. And I accept Jesus as my Savior. And I choose Jesus to become the Lord of my life. God, I want to know you. I want you to be my Father. So I will follow you. Thank you for loving me and receiving me. In Jesus' name, amen.